Jesus, you are our firm foundation. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for this Sunday morning fellowship, Lord. The Lord's Day, the day that we celebrate that you rose from the grave early on that Sunday morning. The church was born, the Spirit came, and now for all these 2,000 years, Christians meet every Sunday to worship you, Lord. We love you and we praise you. And Father, I pray that ministry by your Holy Spirit takes place this morning in the heart of every person here, Lord. Even myself, God. Spirit work. Holy Spirit, we yield our hearts to you. Help us to clear our minds and our hearts of the things of this week. And help us to focus on you and change our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, come and minister to us through the word. And for us in Jesus' mighty name I pray, all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Great to see everyone this morning. Welcome to Calvary Chapel, Irmo and Steve's Classic Burgers. Y'all ready to get into the word? Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. We're looking at verses 1 through 24 this week. But before I get into this, um, we're looking at Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 24. The thing I was thinking about during worship, what keeps us going? What keeps us going through the doubt? What keeps us going through the trials? What keeps us going through tribulation? Why do we keep on keeping on? You know, I don't know about you, but life is difficult. Life is not a bed of roses. And we face, just it seems like week after week, it's a new obstacle. It's a new, new challenge in our life. It's a new struggle in our life. What do we do? And in, my, in our study this week, I, um, to answer that question, in Matthew chapter 11, I guess I should have underlined it. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 15. Jesus says these words. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And my thing is, in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our struggles, our doubts, our fears, and everything, it's like the Spirit. The Holy Spirit just keeps calling me every day, saying, David, trust in me. Trust in the Lord. Look to him. You know, so let your trials, let your tribulations, let your difficulties, because we're going to see one this morning in the life of John the Baptist, let it propel you to Christ. Let him sustain you. He's the reason we keep going in life. He's the one that keeps us going forward. So I praise him for that. So let's look at Matthew chapter 11, studying verses 1 through 24, but let me read verses 1 through 6 so we get our minds oriented in the direction that scripture has taken us this morning. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving instruction to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, while in prison, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. The title of my message this morning is 
unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations. Unfulfilled expectations is when you find yourself in a place of doubt. When you find yourself in a place of of confusion. When you find yourself in a place of uncertainty. Not understanding what's going on around you. Your world's been rocked. Something unexpected comes up or it happens. What do, you, what do you do in those situations? What do you do in those situations? Here, here you go. Let me, let me bring it down a little bit. Let's nail it down. What do you do when God does not do what you expect him to do? You had these plans. You had these visions. You felt like you had a mission from the Lord, something he was going to show you, he was going to do in your life, but then it never comes to pass. What do you do? Those, those, those times are tough in life. When, when, when you ask God and, and you make plans to go on a missions trip or, or do something great for the Lord and those things don't come to pass, what do you do? Welcome to John the Baptist's world. Welcome to the world of John the Baptist. Let's look at chapter 11, verse 1, and let's see how his world got rocked and he's in a place of uncertainty doubt, and confusion. You'll see it here in a few verses. Chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples. Now, prior to this point in the text, John the Baptist had been placed in prison. His crime He had called out Herod Antipas for his adultery with his brother's wife. And what does Herod do? He has him thrown into prison. John the Baptist had been there for over a year. And John the Baptist's disciples were coming to him and telling him about all the amazing things Jesus was doing. Now, who was John the Baptist? He was the forerunner. He was the one that prepared the way of the Lord. Okay? He's like, man, I'm on Jesus' team. I'm serving Christ. I'm going before the Lord. But he, he's been in the, in the tank. He's been in a prison cell for, for a year. John the Baptist, you know, the great John the Baptist, the, the, the one who eyewitnessed Jesus, he's having a crisis of faith in this dungeon, in this cell, and it's causing him to um, second guess the identity of Jesus. Now, we know John the Baptist had a solid faith, He was the very first one to declare who Jesus was in John chapter 1, verse 34, where John the Baptist says, he says this, I'm quoting from John 1, 34, I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Okay, so his faith was solid. He he had a revelation. He knew God. He knew the Lord Jesus Christ. He confessed him and he believed in him. He was the forerunner. But now his world has been rocked. He's in jail. And I don't know if you've ever been in jail before. I've spent a couple nights back in my teenage years, in my early years. But when you're sitting in that tank, you just have a lot of time to sit there and think. Sit and think. And doubt has crept into his mind. And now he's questioning Jesus' identity. And he's questioning God's plan for his life. This is what we call unfulfilled expectations. 
what John is experiencing here in this cell. Believers can experience the same thing today. You can experience the same thing today that John the Baptist experienced. When your expectations of what you thought the Lord was going to do does not come to pass. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging. Have you ever been in a place where you're serving the Lord and what you thought was going to happen doesn't come to pass? Same situation. The exact same situation that's taking place here in John the Baptist's world. But look at what Jesus says to John the Baptist's disciples to send word back to John in verse 4. Look at verse 4. He says, uh, verse 4, he says, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Notice what he says to him. He encourages him. He encourages uh, John the Baptist. Jesus does not condemn John the Baptist for his sincere question. And sometimes we have questions in life. Sometimes we have questions about God's plan. You know, God is big enough to handle our questions. And don't be afraid to bring your questions to him. Jesus does not question John the Baptist's faith. Is he a true convert or a false convert? He just reports to him and says, hey, look at what is taking place. He reassures him. He comforts him. He encourages him. Jesus does not tell him to go and recite a catechism or a creed and move on and forget about it. You know, he sees and understands, Jesus sees and understands the questions of John's heart. And, and instead of trying to explain it to him, he says, he tells the disciples, he says, go and tell him the kingdom of God is moving forward and these things are happening. Jesus simply reminds him to look at the impact he is having on the world. Jesus tells him, let my works speak for themselves. You know, and little does John the Baptist know, you know, he's, he left the earth 2,000 plus years ago, but him in his prison cell and him being the forerunner of Christ he is still witnessing to us today through the studies of the scripture. His impact is still moving forward in this world through John the Baptist. He says, let my words speak for themselves. The bottom line is, family, life can throw us a curveball and unexpected things can happen. Life and ministry can be tough, okay? Being a Christian is not easy. Being a Christian is difficult at times. Being a Christian is, is challenging at times. But in the difficulty, in the fire, in the trial, in when things don't go the way we thought they would go, we must, must, must keep our eyes on Jesus. We must press through and keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Even, and here we go, guys. You know, some of us think we're super spiritual. Some of us think we're not super spiritual. Some people think they are, some people think they're not. But the fact of the matter is, Every truly born-again Christian can experience doubt, okay? Every truly born-again Christian can experience uncertainty, okay? That's just a fact of life. Doubt comes in the form of, you ready for this? Because this is what John the Baptist experienced. Doubt comes in the form of being perplexed. You ever been perplexed? You ever been confused? You ever been uncertain? 
you know, uh, you find yourself in a season of uncertainty, of doubt, if you, if you, find, if you have found yourself in life in a situation like John the Baptist is where he's questioning and he's not sure, I want to give you three points to remember. Three points to remember when you experience uncertainty and doubt. If you haven't, one day you will. And when you experience that uncertainty, three things. Number one, ask God to help you understand. Humbly say, God, I don't understand what's going on. Will you please help me understand? God, what are you, what, what are you, what are you teaching me in this? You know, doubt is not unbelief, okay? Doubt, I'm going to repeat that. Doubt is not unbelief. Doubt comes from real faith that has questions. And God is big enough to handle all questions. He's been handling them for over 2,000, well, since the, not 2,000 years, since the beginning of time, since he created human beings. You know, we, we, we experience doubt. So ask God to help you understand. Number two, after you ask God to help you, help you understand, study the word. Study the word. Find, find your answer in scripture. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you to the right verse that answers the question or the thing that's perplexing you. God, why am I here? Why, why am I here and why aren't I there? You know, ask God to show you, give you a life verse, give you a verse to carry you forward in life. Thirdly, if you experience uncertainty and and doubt and you're questioning what's going on, share your struggle with a Christian friend. Don't bear it alone. Let them help you and encourage you. You know, early in my Christian life, there was something I struggled with the first couple years, and I didn't share it with no one. I kept it in myself because I didn't want to come. To, I didn't want to come to church and people think I struggled. I wanted to put on that image, man. I've got it all together. But I wrestled with so many things, and it took the Holy Spirit revealing it to a brother in Christ, um, showing me what I was dealing with, for God to say, "Hey, bring it to your brother in Christ." Bring it to your friend. Let him bear the burden with you. Let him help you. Don't bottle it up. Struggle. Uh, share your struggle with a brother or sister in Christ and let them help you and encourage you. We are here for each other. We are here for each other. And so let's, let's do this together. We can make it together. and We can't do it alone. And let the Holy Spirit speak through each of us to encourage one another. So that's, that's my encouragement to you guys. If you experience this John the Baptist moment from Matthew chapter 11, ask God to help you understand, study the word, and share your struggle with a Christian brother or sister. Let's look at verse 6. Verse 6, he says, And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Another thing, too, you need to remember in your uncertainty of doubt is this. Jesus is not out to trip you up, okay? God is not out to trip you up. He wants you to be solid in your faith. But understand, you live in a difficult world, and, and uh, everything does not always turn out perfect, okay? So understand that. He's not out to trip you up, but we live in a difficult world, but in our difficulties, we have to look to him. He doesn't want to make anybody fall or make anybody stumble. He wants people to come to him in this difficult world. Now, it's interesting, verses 1 through 6 Give us the, the situation of John the Baptist in, in this prison and his doubt, his uncertainty. And he sends word to the disciples. Jesus sends word back to encourage him. You know, 
in our natural minds, I could see Jesus with the disciples saying, well, John the Baptist needs to be discipled. He just needs to be encouraged. Uh, we just need to build him up. But Jesus does this amazing thing starting in verse 7. In verse 7, Jesus begins to speak to the crowds, and he's going to give, it, give this, you ready? A tribute, a tribute to John the Baptist. John the Baptist that stood mighty for the Lord, but is now in prison, and his faith is real low. And Jesus is going to speak this amazing, beautiful words of this tribute to, um, to John the Baptist. Let's take a look at it, starting in verse 7. As these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. And he says here, he told the crowds, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? Now you have to think back to when John the Baptist, when he was baptizing people. Where was he baptizing them? He was baptizing them down by the Jordan River. And the rivers in the Middle East were, were surrounded by reeds. So he'd be out there baptizing, and you'd have these reeds along the river. They were constantly shifting with the wind. They were constantly shifting. If the, if the wind blew east, they went eastward. If they blew west, they went westward. But not John the Baptist. He was solid. He was solid in his faith. In John 1.29, uh, John the Baptist says, proclaims to all the people, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he's saying he's not being blown by the wind. He's not being blown by winds of doctrine. He was standing firm on his faith. He went to prison with solid faith, but he, there again, he struggles. He struggles in the prison. And so that tells us that even people that have solid faith in God, you're established in your belief in God. You're established in your belief in Jesus. Even you can experience trials when it comes to your faith and your belief. So be ready for those and be ready to ask God to help you understand be, be ready to search the word for your answers. Be, wetter, be ready to find another brother or sister to help you. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in the king's palace. Now verse 8 is a reference to the attire. The attire that John the Baptist wore compared to the, what the religious leaders wore. When John the Baptist made his public debut, he was not in a coat and tie, okay? He wore camel's hair, uh, camel's hair garment and a leather belt with locusts and wild honey hanging from his lips. Could you imagine John the Baptist walking into a church today? People would think he's crazy. They would run for the exits. He would likely be turned away if people saw John the Baptist in his attire coming into our church because he wouldn't be dressed nice and pretty like us. He'd probably have a little smell. He'd look a little rough, a little rugged. His breath would stink from all the, the guts and the, the grasshoppers and all those food he was eating. It, it would be disgusting. You know, we can't judge people by their physical appearance, okay? You can't judge someone's holiness by their physical appearance. You can't judge their faith by their, physical, by their physical appearance, we have to see people as God sees them. We look at each other through the eyes of Christ. We look at each other. I look at each one of you guys as somebody that God loves and that Jesus died for and that he cares for intimately. That's how I look at you guys. 
Next month, this is super cool. Next month, the month of February, there's a movie coming to the theater. It's called Jesus Revolution. How many of you guys have ever heard of it? The next month, in the month of February, coming to theaters across America is a movie about the beginning of Calvary Chapel. Okay? This movie documents the beginning of Calvary Chapel. It's called Jesus Revolution. Um, it's, it's, it's about the beginning of Calvary Chapel movement in Southern California in the 1960s. Kelsey Graham plays Chuck Smith. And in this movie, Pastor Chuck and Kay open their church to a bunch of hippies who had been rejected by the traditional church because of their long hair, no shoes, their smell, and their unfiltered life. Pastor Chuck welcomes them into his church and into his home. He introduces them to Jesus, and then he disciples them. Why? Because they, 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 looked, they gave the perfect look? No. Because he looked at them through the eyes of grace. He looked at them as people that Jesus loved. Did they have it all together? No. And it was a mess. It was a mess for a while. There was all kind of things that took place in the early years. But he loved them with the grace of God. And he showed them the truth of the Bible. And he just simply taught the word. Once, and in the, the movie, if, you, if you've seen the trailer, the movie alludes to this. And I can't wait to see it next month. Uh, once, one of the deacons went to Pastor Chuck and complained that the hippies were coming in with their dirty feet and they were dirtying up the carpet in the sanctuary. Pastor Chuck's response, get rid of the carpet. Get rid of the carpet and let's break out the bowls and let's start washing their feet. If this movie doesn't melt your heart, I don't know what will. I really don't know what will. I can't wait for it to come out, but it's, it's, it's about the beginning of the Calvary Chapel movement. You know, and I look at our outreach with the young adults, with youth, with you guys, with all people across this community in the same eyes as Pastor Chuck and his wife did. We will teach anybody who walks in that door the word of God. We will love them. We will not judge them. But we will instruct them in the word of God and let the Holy Spirit do his work in their life. Don't ever judge someone by their appearance. Going back to the verse of verse 8. He's talking about soft clothing versus his apparel. Don't ever judge someone by their appearance. Always view people through the eyes of grace. Someone that Jesus loves and Jesus died for. Let's continue. Verse 9. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. The one who is more than a prophet? This is the one whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before me. John the Baptist was the messenger, uh, according to this text, of, of Malachi 3.1. And his job was to prepare the way for Jesus to announce to Israel, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What was John the Baptist's message as he was making way for the Lord? To repent, to, to, to turn from sin, and turn to Jesus. And John the Baptist is still proclaiming that message today through the witness and through the studies of the scripture. We, as Christians, follow in his footsteps of simply telling people, we don't tell people, you know, uh, well, go to church and get baptized. All those things are important, but our main message is turn from sin and trust in Christ. Open your heart. Open your heart to the Lord Jesus. 
Say, Lord, please come into my life and please change my heart and orient it towards you. We, just like John the Baptist pointed people to Jesus, so you and I do the same. Verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there was not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You know, I always wonder if John the Baptist uh, heard these words, if he got word of this. Because this is an amazing statement. For him to be sitting in a prison cell and for his disciples to report back to him and to say, Hey, man, this is what Jesus said. Truly I say to you, among born women, there's not one risen any greater than John the Baptist. What made John the Baptist great? The same thing that makes you and I great in the kingdom of God is that we trust in Christ and we're faithful to point other people to him and tell, him, tell people about his love, tell people about his grace, tell people about his truth. You know, that, that was what made him great. And that's what makes believers great today. You know, we want to invite people to church. We want to tell them about Calvary Chapel. We want to do things. But most importantly, we want people to love Jesus. We want people to love Jesus. You know, it's not about being religious. It's about loving the Lord and following him. Verse 12. Verse 12, he says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, because the forces of darkness do not want to give up their grip on people. But when men and women, filled with the Spirit of God, preach and share the gospel, God snatches souls out of darkness. He shatters Satan's grip and draws them to himself. It is a war. It is a war that we are in. It is a fight in the army of God, which is Christians, us believers. We take it by force. We take it by force, by preaching the gospel and seeing God work mightily. Tonight, uh, when I meet with the young adults at uh, Crossroads Church, we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And we're going to be talking about you know, the war that's going on in the heavenlies and the fight that, that we are in. And I'm also going to probably have that same Bible study here next Wednesday night when we meet for our midweek service of, of prayer and worship in the Word. I want to continue that study on, uh, on, on spiritual warfare. But there is a war. There is a war for our souls. And we got to fight the good fight by loving Jesus with all of our heart. Verse 13. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, John himself is Elijah who was to come. You know, you have uh, Elijah in the Old Testament. There's a picture of him in the New Testament. There's a picture of him coming at the end with the witnesses in the book of Revelation. But there's also the witness of him and John the Baptist and being the one that prepares the way of the Lord. And um, verse 15, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, um, that was one verse that I was, as I was meditating on this week. And thinking on, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What are we listening for? We're listening for the Holy Spirit and that still quiet voice of the Lord grabbing our hearts and pulling us to himself. You know, through our trials, through our difficulty, through our uncertainty, through our doubt, through our trials, through our tribulations, there's this pull, there's this beckoning on our hearts. And that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit saying, come to me. Trust in me. And the most important thing that you and I can do 
is yield to the voice of the Spirit and say, yes, Lord, I love you. I trust you. I hear you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you all the days of my life. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he's talking there about spiritual ears, the ears of our heart, hearing his word and hearing the Spirit's call. Verse 16, he says, But what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace who call out to the other children, verse 17, and say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. This is a really interesting phrase here that I really have never heard no Bible studies on, um, but I'm going to give you my shot at it from my studies of verse, verses 16 through 17. The world is invited through the gospel invitation to come and join the celebration in God's marketplace. It is for drug addicts. It is for the homeless. It is for the rich man. It is for the poor man. And it is for you. And it is for me to come and find true life, and forgiveness of sin. So there's these children, they're in the marketplace, they're playing the flute, and they're inviting everyone around the city, come to the marketplace and join the celebration. So that's kind of like us being in the marketplace in this world, as John the Baptist was, as, as Jesus was calling people to himself. We say, come and join the celebration. Come join the party for the Lord. Come celebrate and live a victorious Christian life. Come enjoy all that God has for you. You know, come and find true life and forgiveness of sin. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And he invites all people to come and celebrate in this. It's a, it's a beautiful invitation. And he welcomes all that will come to him to come. Verse 18, verse 18, he says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and a sinner, yet yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Verses 18 and 19 are talking about the... uh, the people's response to Christ. They're, they're talking about the people's response to Christ, the people's uh, response to, to John the Baptist. And the bottom line is they rejected them. And a lot of times people say today, when I talk with unbelievers, man, if I could just see Jesus, if I could just bend there and witness him, you know, let me see the miracles. Let me see the, the working of Christ. And I don't think that's an authentic proposition because even back in the days of Jesus when he was on earth, they saw him, they witnessed him, but they still refused to follow him. This speaks of the people's response. They accuse John. They say he has a demon. He's demon-possessed. The son of man came eating and drinking, and and they called Jesus a gluttonous and a drunkard, and this speaks of the rejection. This speaks of the rejection. You know, many reject the call today. They ignore it. What I like to say is, 
They put their fingers in their ears, and they will not listen. That's the problem, is, is they, they will not listen. Look at verse 20, verse 20 through 24. The consequences. The consequences of rejection. He says in verse 20 through 24, Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Notice that, family. They witnessed the miracles. They saw Jesus, and they still wouldn't turn to Christ. If Jesus walked into this, walked into this world today, people will find a reason. People will find a reason not to believe. But he says in verse 21, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago and sat clocked in ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. You know, we know that many of Jesus' miracles took place, took place in Capernaum, but they still wouldn't follow him. And he says in verse 24, Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. People think today when they reject God's truth, it's over, and they can just move on. No, that's not how it works. It just means that they will face God's judgment for rejecting Christ. But here's the beautiful thing. If they will open their hearts, if they will open their hearts and listen to the voice of the Spirit, open their hearts, hear the Spirit knocking on the door of their heart, if they will open their heart to him, turn from sin, and invite him into their life, he will give them a brand new start, a brand new life. Doesn't mean it'll be perfect. Doesn't mean there won't be difficulties. You know, you, 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 you begin the journey as a Christian, and guess what? Then the battle begins. Then the discipleship begins. Then the, the sanctification begins. You know, it's not just come and be instantly perfect. You know, I've been serving Christ for 30 years now, and I'm still growing in areas of my life. I know some of you guys are a couple years old as a Christian. Some of you guys are a decade old. And I think if you honestly look at your life, you say, you know what, I've got areas to grow into. And that's what the grace of God does. It causes us to grow and our love for him. In closing, maybe you're here this morning and you're in a season of unfulfilled expectations. This is my encouragement to you. You find yourself in the place of John the Baptist. My encouragement to you, friend, is keep the faith. Keep the faith and God is at work. Even in your dungeon, even in your cell, even you're in the same place as John the Baptist, Keep the faith because God is still working. In the midst of um, John the Baptist's confusion, his uncertainty, back at verse 4 and verse 5, in the midst of that, at the same time, Jesus was, was uh, restoring the blind, healing the lame, healing the lepers, healing the deaf, raising the dead, 
and preaching the gospel. So whatever you, wherever you're at, keep the faith. And remember this verse. When, when, you, when you find yourself in a place of doubt or uncertainty or you're not sure you're where you're supposed to be in life, cling to Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Do you love God? Do you trust God? Well, remember that the next time you go through that time of uncertainty and doubt, that God is working out all things for our good and for his perfect plan, and we have to trust him in our difficult times. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning's study in your word. And Father, just as... uh, you encouraged John the Baptist when he was in prison. You, you reminded him that you were mightily at work. Father, I pray, God, that you will remind any of us here this morning that are going through this same season that John the Baptist is going through. We're going through doubt. We're going through uncertainty. Uh, I pray, God, that you will remind us by your spirit that you are still at work in the world and that this season that we're in is just part of life. It's part of the trial. It's part of the tribulation. So, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. For we love you and we praise you. And this in the mighty and wonderful, victorious name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you for your word. Amen.